that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Back to Buckeye Talk. It's Market Down Monday, but a little different style this week. First of all, no Nathan Baird. He's off, I don't know, changing his life. So we have on your favorite Ohio State podcast from Cleveland.com, me, Doug Maurice, playing point guard. I am a point guard who jacks up a lot of shots. So you're right, Steven, I'm like Russell Westbrook here. Oh, that's even worse. So today I'm going to pass. Remember that time when, like, Kobe got mad at everybody and was just like, I'm just going to pass all game and I'm not going to shoot? I'm not doing that out of anger. I'm just doing that out of ignorance. Today, I'm passing. And I'm passing to you, Stephen Means. So, Stephen, get ready to jack up shots, which I think you're – you can handle I have no that, problem right? with. I have no problem shooting the ball. And then we have another guy who knows a lot about basketball but also knows a lot about Ohio State recruiting, Cameron Fields. Are you ready to jack up some shots on Buckeye Talk? Oh, yeah. I'm ready to get these shots up and get in my Lou Williams bag today. There you go. See, we have two guys. And I only, yeah, my daughter knows a lot about the NBA right now. I'm, I'm a little behind on NBA knowledge. So we're going to do, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll work in some NBA. But mostly we're going to do the 2022 Ohio State recruiting class. It's just getting rolling. Three dudes are in. And the market down Monday part of this is who will be the next kid, person, guy, young man to verbally commit to Ohio State's 2022 class. But in the process of arriving at that answer, we're going to go through everything that we've learned so far about this 2022 recruiting class. And we've learned a lot because Stephen Means and Cam Fields have been working the phones. Stephen, just as we get rolling here on Buckeye Talk, do you feel like you guys are starting, you know, it's just a lot of early interviews with these guys, but are you starting to get a little bit of a handle on just the beginning seeds of what this class may start to look like for the Buckeyes? Yeah, just looking at the scholarship chart, but also where they've spent most of their time as far as offers so far in these early stages, you kind of get a glimpse of and a feel for what they think is going to be important. You know, obviously a five-star is important, but how many guys they might need in a certain position compared to how many guys might be leaving the room that year. So, yeah, you're getting a little bit of a feel, even though it's early and they haven't necessarily been able to see a lot of these guys in person. And, Cam, just for the people who are listening to this but are not yet our tech subscribers, this is a lot of stuff that we in the last couple months have started sending out to tech subscribers. Steven texts stuff out. Cam, you'll, you'll do interviews with guys and then send us little tidbits that we send out. Just talk about some of the – I don't know. You you are now a tech subscriber. You see what we send out. We're getting right. a little bit of – we're getting the tidbits out there, Cam, aren't we? We're sprinkling some pixie dust about this 22 class. Yeah, for sure. I think um, something that's really important to look at, uh, C.J. Hicks, he's really – he's been called, you know, Captain Buckeye, um, contacting different recruits, uh, good friends with Desan McCullough and, and Sean Murphy. So I think that he's going to be – um, the lead kind of recruiter for this class, um, almost, you know, similar to, you know, Travion Henderson. He seems like he's one of the top guys uh, for 2021 with their group. So I think that CJ Hicks is going to be very important uh, recruiting wise for this class, just getting in touch with different linebackers, particularly since that's his position. So we're going to get into who the, who the most important guys are for Ohio State to try to land, what the battles might be over certain guys, 
who are just interesting guys to talk to. But let's start our reset with the three guys that have committed for 2022 so far. And we'll start with the guy you just mentioned, Cam, C.J. Hicks. He's a linebacker from Dayton, 6'4", 215, according to 247 Sports. 247 Sports, we always use their composite rankings when we talk about recruiting. I think you guys know that, but maybe you don't. 247 Sports sort of pulls in all the rankings from all the sites, from Rivals, from Scout, from ESPN, from their own personal rankings. And then they add them all together, and that's like the comprehensive composite. This is the average of what everybody thinks. So we always use that because I think that's, you know, that's not just one site happens to love a guy or happens to be down on a guy. Those aren't out yet. But what 247 Sports does have out for the 2022 class is their own rankings. So in 247 Sports' own rankings, the highest guy in the Ohio State class for 2022 2022 is C.J. Hicks at number 101, just outside the top 100. Guys, you both know C.J. a little bit. Just give the listeners a little taste of what kind of guy he is and what kind of player he is, whoever wants to go first. Yeah, go ahead, Cam. You can go first since you were the last one to talk to him. Yeah, yeah, C.J. Hicks, uh, he was officially changed from an athlete to outside linebacker, um, yeah, in 24-7 Sports' latest recruiting rankings. Uh, just in talking with him uh, recently, you know, he I know he's a, a big hitter. Um, he thinks that he can fit well with uh, Desan McCullough and, and Sean Murphy, his uh, two good friends that he's been recruiting. And I, I think that he just – you know, he's he's established a, a good relationship with Coach Al Washington. I know we were talking about this, Doug, with, you know, Al Washington just continuing to make strides with his recruiting. And I think that Al Washington is really um, looking to make, you know, a splash with his uh, linebackers, especially in this uh, 2022 class. Um, so that's what I feel like in terms of the value of C.J. Hicks, the Captain Buckeye, him being able to recruit. Um, other players. I know he's talked with uh, Jalen Walker as well, um, Justin Medlock. Uh, so those are some of the other linebackers that he's spoken with. Yeah, CJ Hicks. The first, I remember a couple of days after he recruited, after he committed, talking with him, and he talked about how he had a, a sigh of relief when he was finally able to do it. It was something he wanted to get out of the way for this exact reason, so he could become a more of a recruiter. And he's he almost reminds me a little bit of what Ben Christman was when he first committed last summer around the same time where he was one of those first three guys in the class, an Ohio guy who immediately after he committed turned his attention to the rest of the country to find other guys to join this class. And eight months later, we're looking at what the 2021 class is right now, but that started with guys like Ben Crispin and just like it's going to start with guys like CJ Hicks who wanted to commit early. He had, no second guesses about where he wanted to go to school. And now he can start to build the class the same way the two classes were built before him. All right. The the second highest ranked guy in for Ohio state right now is Jair Brown. Am I saying his first name correctly? Yeah. Jair. Jair Brown. He's the number 115 ranked recruit in the two, four, seven sports rankings. He's a cornerback six foot one sixty five, number 15 overall corner in the country. And this is the guy that when he committed, he was a Louisiana commit, and now he's an Ohio commit. He He's moved. Yeah. When he first came in the class, it was like, oh, my gosh, look, Ohio State's going into Louisiana. Look out at Ogeron. And then it was like, oh, actually, he's just moving back to Ohio. So what's up with, with Brown? And he also seems like a guy who's been – who seems kind of 
fired up about getting other guys in this class, right? Yeah, at first this was the what Ohio State does. They find guys across the country who have a Ohio connection that they can kind of lean on to open the door, and then that's how they're able to get them in here. They did that with Garrett Wilson. They've done it with Donovan Jackson, two guys who, who spent time in Ohio and their youth, and Jair Brown was the same way. But then he moved to New Orleans when he was four years old and had been down there for a while and was the first guy to join this class. And it was a big deal until you realize, oh, no, this is a one-off because he has Ohio connection. Oh, wait, it's not just a one-off. It's not even that. He's actually moving back to Ohio within the next three months. So it makes total sense why Ohio State would want to bring in a guy who's a borderline top 100 player. Right. Didn't he have a friend down there that he was trying to get? Does he have a Louisiana friend that he was trying to get into this class, though? Or is that yeah, 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 he does. Uh, Jacoby Matthews, the number one safety in Louisiana, the number 12 player in the country. So so he might still He's, be able to use those Louisiana connections and try to work that a little he bit. He might. He just won't be around these guys on a daily basis in order to do it. It'll be more the way you see most recruits do it, through social media and through text messages. Okay. What were you going to say, Cam? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, just from a story yeah, that Steven did, um, Jair, he wanted to commit uh, right on the spot when he talked with Coach Kerry Coombs. So, I mean, that just shows I know a lot of the, you know, the three guys in this 2022 class uh, very eager to commit, kind of get it out the way and and just go from there, like C.J. Hicks mentioned, the relief. Uh, so that that's very understandable to be able to, you know, finish that up quickly. And also it shows how how well Ohio State kind of establishes relationships uh, with different recruits. They, you know, come in and like, like Steven mentioned, you know, the Ohio connection. So that's something to, um, you know, relate to with that. But, you know, they're, they're very good at just making recruits feel welcomed. And, you know, I always hear the different things about, you know, like the family environment that they create. So Cam, just Cam for people who were wondering who this Cam Fields guy is and why why he's he's doing this stuff for us. He is a young journalist. He does a lot of NBA stuff for the USA Today Network. You're still doing that stuff, right, Cam? Yeah, yeah, I am. And then I help out uh, Sam and Miko at SI.com as well. So he's big in basketball stuff. He's been doing a lot of writing for us. He's done a lot of Cavs stuff for us. But when we jacked up our recruiting and said we're going to dive in even more, we pulled Cam into this because he's not a full-time employee at Cleveland.com. Fingers crossed, maybe someday he will be. Um, you know, fingers crossed for him and for us, because Cam does a great job. But he is he when we said, Cam, you're gonna do recruiting for us, he was kind of like, Okay, I haven't really done this before. But he's out there with Steven now contacting these kids. Just real quick, Cam, it's Combs. Combs. Okay. All right. It, now it's yeah. now to it's be fair because it's two O's. But. It is Kerry Combs' fault. Now, as also someone whose name is spelled in a way that it doesn't sound, you know, I know what that's like, so I get it. But it is Kerry Combs, just, you know, but again, it's because, okay, my God, thank you. you know, Cam Fields, Cam, if I asked you to name every single player in the NBA, if I, could you do it, do you think? Every oh, no. team? Nope. No. See, Cam, no. on the podcast, then, when I'm, when I'm puffing you up, then you say, oh, yeah, Doug, I can definitely name every single player in the NBA. I'm not going to actually make you do it. All right. <laughs> name, name every Sacramento King right now. Let's see. You got De'Aaron Fox. Uh, you got Marvin Bagley, the third. You have, um, let's see, who else? Bogdanovich. Bojan uh, Bogdanovich. Who see, else? that's more than I can name. That's more than I can name. So <laughs> next up, Buddy we're going to. Buddy Hill, yeah. 
We'll start making this a regular segment. We'll just drop it in. I'll just Cam, I'll call Cam separately and we'll just have Cam name NBA players. Because again, you know, who knows what's going to happen with football season. That's where (laughs) we may get to that point on Buckeye Talk. Uh, All right. Third guy in this class, the other guy who is committed, number 238 in the rankings according to 247 Sports. And I feel like this guy is just. Super important because it feels like this is a really important position for this class. Another Ohio kid, Steven, who's the last guy in this class? Yeah, Tegra Tishabola, an offensive tackle in the class, another Ohio native. And you're right, it is a pretty big deal, mostly because 2021 doesn't have a tackle. Obviously, they got Paris Johnson, who everybody wants to put the Orlando Pace label on already for 2020. But not having a tackle in 2020. 2020, 2021 so far, obviously Tristan Lee is still out there and they could get him. But right now, as things stand, it's just, it's just two guards. That's the only offensive lineman in the class. So a guy like this becomes very important when you're talking about depth at the, at a position because a lot of those guys are upperclassmen right now at the offensive lineman spot. And by the time he gets here, Paris Johnson Jr. will be a junior already. So Tegra Tishabola, this committed literally the day after Jair Brown joined the class back when Ohio State, it seemed like Ohio State was getting a commit. And now there's 2021 or 2022 every single day of the week. So very important guy, four-star guy, 238 in the class, 23 off the tackle. But that'll probably start going up as, you know, he gets to go to these camps. And if they have a a football season in Ohio, that ranking will probably continue to rise because he's already 6'6", 320 pounds, and he's 15, 16 years old. And when you're committed to Ohio State, a lot of times that helps puff up your ranking a little bit. But, man, that's – he's got – the natural physical size that you're looking for. Right. And so if he gets out there in camps and he shows good feet and he shows toughness and he shows a little nasty streak or something, I mean, when you're 6'6", 320, like you said, um, that's going to open some eyes. So those are the three guys committed to the 2022 class. And that's good. Things are, have, are Stephen, there has been an effect. There has been a COVID-19 effect on the 22 class, right? That things are not moving as quickly at 247 Sports, only 17 of the top of only 17 players overall that are ranked by them have committed. Only six of the top 100 have committed. So LSU has four commits in 2022, and that's the most. And then Ohio State has three, and that's the second most. So, you know, there's not a lot going on here, but hasn't there been a tangible effect of guys just not being able to visit? Everything's everything's over Zoom and that kind of thing, that it maybe it slowed down the commitment process for this next group. Yeah, especially at quarterback. I think if you're a high-level, pro, high-functioning program, you probably want your quarterback committed two years in advance because then he can start to learn the system. You can start to really evaluate him and make sure that you pick the right guy. All those things, you saw it with Kyle McCord. You saw it with Jack Miller for Ohio State. But because you can't see quarterbacks in person, and that's the most important position in football, maybe in sports, there's no quarterbacks who are committed right now. And that and that has a trickle-down effect in everything else you want to do. So really a credit to Ohio State that it's almost business as usual for outside of a quarterback. They're still standing at three commits, and we're halfway through July for a class two years out, just like they were in 2021. They had three commits you know, two years out from when that group could sign, and now you've seen it take off because they'd already built some of these relationships. A lot of other teams haven't been able to do that outside of LSU. And it does make sense to me that, I mean, this happens anyway, but a lot of these guys, they're getting information. 
they're making contacts remotely with the coaches. And then, you know, if and when, who knows what the fall is going to look like. But then if these guys can get on campus at all, any kind of in-person thing, they're not in a rush. They're not in a rush. But, you know, we're still on track for a December signing day, and then it'll be time. Then these 22 kids will be up um, the next December. But if they if they can get on campus in the fall or anything, then I think some of these guys will start to go because I th- there'll be confirmation visits, right, Stephen? That it's, I think a lot mm-hmm. of these guys are probably getting a decent idea in their head, but it's like, well, what's the rush? Why would I commit? I, why don't I give myself the chance to get – get eyeballs on the place where I'm going to spend the next three, four years of my life. Yeah. Honestly, if there are visits this year, if that's one thing that you are allowed to have at football games, I wouldn't be surprised if, if November and December roll around and you start seeing a a large chunk of these guys committing just because you're right. It will be kind of the last thing to check off in a series of things. Cause you've already been building relationships through phone calls, through zoom calls and everything else. And so if the only thing left for you to see is, okay, what does the actual campus look like? I wouldn't be surprised if, if November and December roll around and a bulk of these top 122 guys start committing. So at yeah. the moment, again, just to reinforce, Ohio State three commits for 2022. The rest of the Big Ten has four total commits. Iowa, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Purdue each have one. Everybody else has zero. So that's how slow this is going so far. Cam, have you gotten a feel from kids at all of like what maybe they're thinking about commitment-wise? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just I was going to really agree with Stephen about the um, visits thing with how, you know, they could just be it just be a slew of commits once they're able to take their visits. Just from the guys I've talked with, it seems like a lot of the top recruits in 2022 um, that Ohio State's targeting, they, they have, you know, their schools in mind pretty much. Uh, they just got to go on those visits, um, you know, look for things that, you know, that you wouldn't see uh, just hearing on a Zoom call or even like on a um, virtual tour so it it seems like you know that's really the only thing left for for a few guys um you know I know Julian Armella and uh Desan McCullough they both have their top tens already out um so you know those visits could be you know just the you know the nail in the coffin kind of basically but I I think that that's going to be very important going forward whenever those visits can happen because it seems like you know a lot of guys just already have the schools that they really like in mind and, and, you know, don't have too much of too much to think about, you know, other than that. A prime example of that is probably Gabe Powers, who quite honestly would probably be already committed to Ohio state right now, if it weren't for the recruiting moratorium consistently being, you know, extended throughout these months, he's been crystal ball to Ohio state for months. And I talked to him about it and he said, yeah, it was on his mind. He wanted to commit this summer before his junior year, but then all of this happened and, took away the opportunity for him to go to some other places outside of Ohio State and, and see some of those campuses. Because he's from Ohio. He's from Marysville, Ohio. He's the number 47 player in the country, number one outside linebacker. And he knows – he kind of knows Ohio State at this point, but he wanted to see some other places before he made a decision. And so now that's pushed back his time by a whole other year because he doesn't have this opportunity. And, again, that's one of those where – Ohio State, I don't, it's not like a guy you, ha, you don't have to be worried about that guy. And I think Ohio State would probably understand, yeah, we want you to go go elsewhere and, and make sure that you feel even better about Ohio State when you go somewhere else and say, yeah, I like it here, but, man, I really do like Ohio State. For some of these guys who are leaning one way or the other, sometimes the visits are the opposite of a confirmation. It's like, I just want to go. I, I think I know where I want to go, so I'm going to go somewhere else to look 
to make sure there's not somewhere out there that blows my mind that I never gave a chance. But I'm pretty sure I know where I want to go. And then some of the other times when it's not a state kid, it's like, I think I know where I want to go, but my gosh, I've never been there. I don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to go commit my life to somewhere I've never been. Now, J.K. Dobbins, like, committed before he ever visited Ohio State. So it does happen sometimes. But, again, when you're still in a class position like this, you're only going into your junior year. Mm -hmm. There's just not a rush. So I think Ohio State, I would imagine, probably even beyond Powers, and I wanted to bring him up, and I'm glad you brought him up, Stephen. He's almost like the fourth guy in this class right now. And he's a top 50 national guy. There's probably – another three, four, five, six, eight guys that Ohio State's like, we're pretty sure these guys are coming. We kind of have them in a column on our board that is like, assume they'll be here. Don't take them for granted. Still recruit them. But we don't have to be freaking out about, oh, you know, are we going to get a guy at this position group? Because we kind of know he's going to be here. They're just not officially committed yet. All right, let's get – I have some categories. And, again, this is the kind of thing – Cam and Steven are dropping these nuggets along the way. If you've never tried the tech subscription and you like recruiting, listen, just shooting it straight. There are some sites out there that do a tremendous job covering recruiting. You guys know who the recruiting experts are on the Ohio State beat who have been doing this for years and decades sometimes. And so we're not pretending we're your only source for Ohio State recruiting knowledge, but we're doing it too. And we have two guys who are out there talking to kids analyzing what's going on and we're dropping it in text messages and it's four bucks a month. So it's part of all the other stuff we text. But if you haven't tried the text and you're like, you know what, you know, if you're recruiting diehard, I swear there are some people on the text who know more about recruiting than we do. I mean, they're just, and I love it. I love that. They're like a resource for us, but people, if you are reading every single thing that everybody at every single site writes about recruiting, man, that's awesome. Um, But if you're not like that, but you care about it because this is how you get future Buckeyes, you know, we're dropping some stuff in there. So whether you're a diehard about recruiting, whether you take recruiting a little more casually, but you just enjoy Ohio State football, we're providing something extra for you on the text, 614-350-3315. We're also doing recruiting roundups at cleveland.com slash OSU basically every morning, Monday through Friday. It's kind of the latest. The tech subscribers get it first. Then we put out most of that other stuff, a lot of that other stuff out to our subscribers at cleveland.com who read the site. And then we're going to talk about it here on the podcast. So anyway, that's what Cam and Steven are doing with their time. I mean, you know, they're out living their lives, right? They're going to Dairy Queen. You guys go to Dairy Queen. I was at Sonic last night. You know, Cam, you can go to Sonic and cover recruiting, right? There's enough hours in the day for both. For sure. Okay, so I just want to make sure I don't want us to be making you guys cover so much recruiting that you can never go to Sonic. That's no way to live. That's no way to live. Question number one, point guard, here I am. Okay, we just got scored on. We're down 63-21, and I'm bringing the ball up the court. Wait, what? (laughs) I haven't been playing much defense. I'm getting torched. Like, uh, we're playing Steph Curry, and I'm, I'm playing you off just of run, him. You're just out there getting cardio, just running around. You're not even making it in. Steph's here. like 9 for 11 from 3 on me. But I'm like, I got it. I got it. I got it. So I'm bringing the ball up. You guys go to the two wings, and I'll try to hit somebody in the corner for a, a contested three. Question one, who's a guy that you think is important for the Buckeyes to land in 2022? And why? Who's like a guy, maybe you've talked to him, maybe you just know he's out there and Ohio State's on him, but you haven't talked to him yet. 
but who's like a guy that's like, man, this is like a really good player at a really at a spot that would really like Ohio State that, you know, maybe he's not a sure thing like a Gabe Powers, but Steven, who's a guy that's near the top of your list of like, boy, oh boy, this would be a guy Ohio State should get. Yeah, and Cam's talked to him and he's this is a top one hundred player at a group that's you know, kind of failed at it outside of twenty twenty one, the last two last few recruiting classes here. And it's Sean Murphy, number fifty five player, number two inside linebacker in the class. One because linebacker is probably going to be the deepest position in in this recruiting class. They're losing seven guys over the next two years from that room. And this is this is gonna be Al Washington's first magnum opus as Ohio State's linebacker coach on the recruiting trail. That's part of the reason why they brought him in here. And I know they brought in Reed Carrico, who's a number 70 player, the number two inside linebacker for the 2021 recruiting class. But in 2020, they didn't have a top 100 linebacker, and they didn't have one in 2019 either. The last time they had one was 2018, and that group in itself hasn't necessarily, you know, played at a level of a top 100 linebacker yet. And some of that is they've been blocked by guys like Tuff Borland and Malik Harrison in front of them. So – they, 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 there's a lot of places where Ohio State hasn't necessarily gotten top 100 players over the last couple of recruiting classes, and they fixed it at quarterback. They fixed it at running back, and they're fixing it at corner defensive back in 2021 right now. Well, in 2022, this is their opportunity to fix it at, at linebacker, and it starts with a guy like C.J. Hicks, who sits right outside the top 100, which means at some point in his before his high school career is over, he'll probably be a top 100 player. And as Cam's already said, he's already building a relationship with Sean Murphy who's the number two inside linebacker in his class. So I would say him. All right, Cam, before uh, – we ask this first, Cam. Was Sean Murphy also your answer to this question? <laughs> no, but, yeah, I, I do agree okay. with Stephen on that, though. So, for but sure. you have talked to Sean, right, Cam? Yeah, yeah, I have. So what vibe from your contact with Sean, what vibe did you get so far of what Sean Murphy thinks about Ohio State? Yeah, he definitely he likes them for sure. I know he has a lot of other, you know, top schools. I think just going back to what you mentioned before, just overall in general, um, you know, guys are taking their time. And I think uh, he's one of those guys, you know, who's just taking his time, uh, waiting to go on the visits. And I, I don't know, and I haven't gotten a sense for, you know, one school over another, Ohio State over another. So I, I don't I don't think that he heavily favors Ohio State, but I also don't think he's heavily favoring um, another school either. So just on the 247 recruiting chart, the only school that they have warm interest for Sean Murphy is Alabama. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting a you know, kid, this is an area of Virginia. He's from Virginia. That's an area. Again, that's Larry Johnson territory. They've, they've had success with guys in the DMV area before Sean Murphy would be on that list. But Steven, I, I like that answer. It feels like Sean Murphy for a lot of reasons, fits a lot of things that Ohio State could use. Cam, what's your answer for this? The guy you are you think would be really good for Ohio State to get? Yeah, he's he kind of fell on the rankings uh, yesterday, but Julian Armella, um, offensive tackle, number 22 offensive tackle in the country. Um, you know, he is someone I think that, you know, really likes Ohio State because they've been recruiting him since his freshman year. So when I talked with him, um, you know, when he started really getting going with his top 10 and things like that, he was like, oh, all these schools like have been, you know, in contact with me and they've, you know, kept, you know, kept up relationships with me and things like that. Now, the only crystal ball he has on 24-7 is Florida State. Um, but that's another, you know, top school for him. But I think that just because they only have Tegra right now as their offensive tackle in 2022 and then they have no offensive tackles in 2021. 
um, landing another offensive tackle in, in this 2022 class would be very important, um, especially considering um, Julian, you know, seems to really like Ohio State from when I last talked with him. And does he go now? I'm not, I'm not saying this is the thing that, you know, decides this kind of thing, but he goes to Columbus High School in yes. Miami. I mean, yes. come on. Right. I mean, all things being equal, he goes to Columbus High School. That that makes a lot of sense. And, and Cam, that kind of thing. He, he are you saying that he appreciates the idea that Ohio State has been on him early and yeah. been in on him for a long time? For sure. Yeah, he, he does like that. He, he seemed to. You know, even with the other schools that's been, um, you know, that's recruiting him, he seems to really like schools that have been giving him attention and have been good about it. I know when he announced on Twitter, it's like, oh, top 10's coming um, such and such date. I guess he had been getting calls from, off, like, you know, offers and calls from schools. It's like, hey, uh, you haven't been in contact. And it's like, um, now you may not be in my top 10 or something like that. So uh, he, he really seems to, you know, like the attention the consistent attention from different schools. Okay. Two good answers there. Question number two for you guys. Who's the most interesting 2022 player that you've talked to so far and why was he interesting? So this is where, you know, you, you got to find out what kind of football player these guys are. You got to find out what the level of interest is for Ohio state, what kind of reciprocal interest there is from the kid. But also the more you talk to these guys, you get to know them a little bit. You talk to them, start, not just once, but now a second time, a third time. Cam, we'll start with you on this one. Who's the guy that you just think is an interesting guy to talk to? Mine uh, is definitely Desan McCullough because um, just in speaking with him, he seems like a very high football IQ person. Um, now, obviously, you know, that, that's probably influenced a lot by his dad. His co you know, he's a coach, De Dellen McCullough. Um, so he's a very high football IQ guy. He knows – um, how, you know, he'll be – he knows how he's, like, used in high school, how he could potentially be used in, in college as an outside linebacker, Sam linebacker in Ohio State system. So he loves – he seems like he loves to talk football, watches film with uh, C.J. Hicks, and it just seems like he's a very intelligent dude, um, not just on the field but off the field as well. I am excited about him – because of what I've read uh, of you talking to him, Cam, and like he is up there for me of the of yeah. the guys that I am really interested in for this Ohio State class, and I do feel like Ohio State does pretty well with football families, with families that understand the deal. And again, yeah. recruiting is very difficult, uh, but when you have somebody in your family who's involved. Right, right, who maybe is a coach, mm -hmm. who maybe was a player. Teron Vincent is the son of Troy Vincent. You know, Joey and Nick Bosa, their their dad was a was an NFL player. Um, even like someone like Paris Johnson, whose mom mm -hmm. has been involved in college athletics and round understanding and working with college athletes. I do feel like the people who know a lot about how it works, sometimes Ohio State does really well with them. And just to be clear on this, this is a guy who who lived at Ohio in Ohio at times right. in his life as his dad has kind of moved up the coaching profession. Again, his dad currently is the running backs coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. He also had been at USC. He was at Indiana, the University of Indiana, for a while. But Desan has Ohio roots to some degree, right? 
Yeah, he lived in Cincinnati the first nine years of his life. Um, so he definitely, yeah, does have that Ohio connection. That's, that's the kind of guy that, to me, becomes like what you're saying, football IQ, football family, seems like he might have some versatility, has some Ohio roots. It's not a slam dunk to get him because he's going to have a lot of people after him. That is exactly the kind of guy to me that it's not about, it's not a must. There's very few musts at a place like Ohio State or Alabama or Clemson because you don't, if you don't get one guy, you can probably get a, another guy who's almost as good. But, but I just have enjoyed following your Desan McCullough conversations and, and I'm very intrigued by him. Um, Steven, who's your guy that you've just sort of enjoyed talking to or you think is interesting? I think Benji Gosnell is interesting. A tight end, you know, he's a, he's a tight end in a class. With, oh, sorry, he's a tight end out of North Carolina, number 11 tight end in the country and a four-star recruit. And the way things are looking in 2021 right now, I know they're trying to add a second tight end to the class, but the way things seem to be trending, they might have, have to just go ahead and add two tight ends in the 2022 class, you know, to make up for the fact that they weren't able to find one in 2021. But just the story of how he got the offer, I think was pretty cool. He'd already built up a relationship with Kevin Wilson over a few months in, in Zoom calls with Ryan Day. And he wasn't, I, a lot of these kids probably aren't expecting to get the offer when they get the offer, but it was just the fact that it, it went from Kevin Wilson sending him a gif hinting that he should probably call him to maybe two hours later, he's getting an offer from Ohio State with Ryan Day on the phone. And just he hearing that story and how he's really built up this relationship with Kevin Wilson, but also he likes to block, which is what Ohio State tight ends are going to spend most of their time doing. And I know when you when you talk to certain tight ends, you have to ask, hey, have they told you about tight end usage and whether or not you know they're going to throw the ball to the tight end or more? He's one of the first guys who was like really honest with the fact that, no, they told me that the way things are right now is probably how it's going to always be. And I'm fine with that because there's 20 million different things that a tight end has to do in order to be considered good at their job. And I want to be able to do, do all of those things, not just be able to catch passes. I just love, I mean, it, we've talked so much about tight ends on this podcast. I hearing that from a tight end, it feels like, boy, that's, that might be a player and a program that are on the same page. And I don't mean to, I talk about Luke Farrell a lot here. I just feel like Luke Farrell does his job. And again, maybe Jeremy Ruckert has a skill set that hasn't been utilized as much. And I, and I wish they would use Jeremy Ruckert's skill set more. And I'm not saying Jeremy Ruckert can't block. He can. But I feel like Luke, Luke Farrell's skill set is utilized in what Ohio State does. Block, 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 practically block like a tackle. And then every now and then you slip out your release, maybe in the red zone, and you make a big catch and have some, some defenders bounce off you when the time comes. So I like that story, and I like, I like the idea of the connection. Because we, we've talked, Stephen, like, why would a tight end come here? Mm -hmm. If you can go somewhere else where they might throw to the tight end more. But if Benji Gosnell has an exact idea of it, then you understand why he would come here. Because this might be a perfect fit for a guy like that. Number three, what's something that you've learned about an Ohio State coach or Ohio State coaches from talking to these 2022 players? Because that's the thing. Listen, the coaches are here no matter what. They're here for the 23 class and the 24 class until they move on. But, you know, these kids along the way, you get a read a little bit on like, hey, you know, this coach said this or he interacted with me this certain way. And it gives you an idea of how some of these assistants go about the job of recruiting. Steven, what's a, what's a story or something you learned about an OSU assistant from talking to these recruits? 
Yeah, Caleb Burton might be my answer to two of these questions, but it starts with this one because the wide receiver out of Texas where, you know, it seems like Ohio State seems to be, you know, planting a flag down there as far as bringing in top 100 receivers from that area. And Brian Hartline is obviously the job he's done in recruiting wide receivers in these first two recruiting classes is astounding. But some of that is how he's also used some of the current players on the roster in order to do this. Caleb Burton has a relationship with Garrett Wilson already. And so as much as, you know, Brian Hartline is probably recruiting him, Garrett Wilson is doing the same thing. They've worked out together multiple times. He also knows Jackson Smith, Nick Jigba, but he just knows Garrett Wilson a little bit better. And so Brian Hartline has really leaned on Garrett Wilson as, I wouldn't say the guy running point in the situation to the, you know, that's Brian Hartline is the Doug Lamarie's of that situation. But Garrett Wilson is probably the Cam Fields or the Stephen Means in that situation, especially during the time of pandemic when Garrett Wilson's been at home. And so those guys have had an opportunity to work out together a couple of times during all of this and build a relationship. And Garrett's pretty much told him, listen, you have to see it for yourself, but it's been nothing but good things for me so far. And everything that they told me that it was going to be, that's what it's been. I will say the, the idea, Stephen, that you are Garrett Wilson and Cam, that you are Jackson yes. Smith Najigba yes. and that, that I am Brian Hartline, I like all of that. I do not think Brian Hartline would like that. Please don't. <laughs> no one tell Brian Hartline that he is the me of that situation or he will uh, punch me in the neck. Um, Caleb Burton, by the way, and, and this is the kind of thing. He's the number eight overall player. Mm-hmm in the class of 2022, he's the number one receiver. And it's like, how could Ohio state get the number eight player out of Texas, the number one receiver, except they have a history. They've gotten Jeff Okuda. They got Baron Browning. They got JK Dobbins. They just got Garrett Wilson. And you know, the best way to try to pull the best receiver in Texas out of Texas, have him hang out. Yep. (laughs) With With the the other receivers out of Texas who came to Ohio state. So it's like, well, how do you create that pipeline? It's like, that's how you do it. So, I mean, there is no better recruiter of Caleb Burton that you could have in this situation than Garrett Wilson. And if Garrett Wilson is down there saying, this is what Heartline's like, this is what day is like, this is what the the atmosphere is like, this is what my teammates are like, that is going to be more effective than anything that Brian Hartline or Ryan Day or any other coach, especially at a time like this. Steven, that's almost one of those where that's using this this lockdown to your advantage because he's getting if he's working out with Garrett Wilson, he's getting personal relationships in one of the few ways that you can get him. And so that is a that is a very interesting idea that if 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 that's if that's a way that can work, that's a very specific thing to this because Wilson's from Texas and Caleb Burton is from Texas, but maybe it's a very specific way that this very specific recruitment could go down for Ohio State. What's something, Cam, that you have learned about Ohio State assistants or one of them from the conversations that you've had? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't work, you know, with me and Steven, we split up the position groups and stuff like that. So I haven't taught, you know, I haven't learned about all of the assistant coaches Um to an extent, like compared to other ones, but Tony Alford, the running backs coach, he seems like to me, uh, like one of the best recruiters, if not the best recruiter um, on the staff, just in his ability to make connections. I know I was talking with Markeith Williams and he's a safety. So, and, and, and in Florida, so that's, you know, area recruiter uh, with Tony Alford there, but he was saying that um, Alford asked him, you know, 
what is your brand? You know, how are you working on your brand? And, and Marquis said that he had never really thought about his brand before um, Tony Alford, you know, was speaking with him. So I think that Alford does a good job of kind of like th- asking outside the box questions and getting guys to think about different things, not just related to football. I know and talking more so if the running backs uh, like Nicholas Singleton, he seemed to really like Tony Alford as well. So I think that Alford does a, a very good job of just creating relationships and making sure that guys, you know, trust them and, and like them. And that's a uh, going to be a sell as Doug, as you, as you've written once the NIL walls were passed. And as I've talked to other recruits in the 2021 class, that's a selling point now for Ohio state one because of the area it's in in a major city of Columbus, but also the brand that is Ohio state with these new NIL laws. That's something they're going to be able to use to their advantage that a school maybe like Alabama or Clemson can't just because of the opportunities off the field, they're going to be able to provide a lot of these, you know, college football players. And so they've had the conversation with 2021 players. And as you can see, as, as what Cam said, they're already having it with 2022 players in ways that they can grow their brand as a college, as a student athlete, both on and off the field. And just to clarify, I am still working on my story about how Tony Alford screwed up the running back recruiting in 2020. <laughs> Speaking of which. To balance, to balance Cam's view, Cam's, Cam's firsthand view of talking to actual players about how good Tony Alford is, I'm going to come in over the top and say he screwed up. No, no, no. <laughs> That's kind of what I do. Um, hey, quick break. This is the kind of information you guys are getting on texts. In addition to all the team stuff and all the surveys and all the questions for the podcast. This is the kind of recruiting information our tech subscribers have been getting for the last several months about the 2022 class. If you want some of this stuff sprinkled into your life, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial to test it out, 614-350-3315. Send a text there and you can try to sign up. Not try to, you can sign up through that. Uh, We'll be back. A couple more questions for Cam and Steven before we have their market down Monday prediction about who the next verbal commit will be for Ohio state in 2022. We'll be right back on Buckeye talk. All right. Question four for Cam fields and Steven means our Ohio state recruiting dynamic duo. What could be a major recruiting battle between Ohio state and another specific school? for a guy in 2022. So listen, when Ohio State's going out nationally, a lot of times if you're trying to get a kid from out of state, you very likely might be going up against that home state school. If you're just going for a national top 50 guy, you're probably running into Bama or Clemson or Texas or Florida or Florida State for some of these guys. Cam, is there is there a, a kid where you can maybe see, and again, all this is early, but maybe where you can see a specific head-to-head battle brewing between Ohio State and another school for a specific guy. Yeah, I could definitely see Ohio State and Texas um, battling out for Jadarian Price, uh, 2022 running back, the number 22 running back in the nation, uh, 228 nationally. Um, I know when I talked with him, he was like, hey, he's considering whether or not to stay close to home Um, And Texas was one of his first offers. So, you know, Texas, uh, you know, they're not at the level that they used to be when I was, you know, younger or things like that with with Colt McCoy, Vince Young. 
but um, you know, they still do have that level of prestige because they're big 12, big time program, uh, power five school. So I think that that will be something to look at. I know Jadarian does like Ohio state. Uh, he appreciates them recruiting him because he never thought that a school, you know, as good as Ohio state up North would be recruiting him like, like that, you know? So I, I think that's going to be something to watch just going forward. But I also don't think that I think it's kind of like a Sean Murphy sort of thing where he's not really too, too high on anyone right now. Still kind of filling things out. That's interesting. And again, Tony Alford has done it before. He went down into Texas and got a running back before in J.K. Dobbins, and it worked out great. So I don't know if Price, when you talk to him, Cam, I don't know if J.K. Dobbins' name came up specifically, but I guess there's a lot of it that, you know, when recruiting people talk about testimony, it's like, hey, running back from Texas, if you have any question about how this might go, look. Look what happened to the last running back from Texas who went to Ohio State. Do you think that could be anything that's a little bit, you know, Texas is hometown edge, right? And again, at the end of Mac Brown, and then the transition to Charlie Strong, and then the transition to Tom Herman, Ohio State was going in there when Texas was a mess. And Texas messed up the JT Barrett recruitment. Mac Brown, JT Barrett went there for a visit. He thought Texas was going to offer. They didn't. They wound up with a different quarterback in that class who wasn't very successful. JT Barrett goes to Ohio State. If the home state school messes something up, then you can really pounce. And for a while there, Texas was messing up a lot of stuff. I don't know that Tom Herman and his recruiters are messing stuff up as much anymore. So this might be a more difficult pull. But did you get any sense that J.K. Dobbins' success might factor in to how Price is thinking about this? No, but yeah, that that's a good something good to think about. Yeah, we didn't talk about J.K. Dobbins and and things like that, but that yeah, that definitely is something to consider um, because Ohio State has had so many good running backs come through their program in recent years. J.K. Dobbins, Mike Weber, Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, you could argue that they're running back you just as much as their DBU. You know, um, so I think that that's something to consider going forward. I know that they're recruiting two other Texas running backs, uh, Jaden Blue and Mecca Megwa as well. So they're, they're still going hard there, evidently. They're, in terms of all the running backs they're recruiting, um, three, three of them, are, including Price, are, are from Texas. So they're still going hard there. Um, and I think that's going to be something to watch going forward just to see how maybe, you know, the success of Dobbins, the success of Ezekiel Elliott, um, and all the other running backs that they have produced in recent years uh, affects the 2022 recruiting cycle. Price is from Denison, Texas. That's about an hour or so north of Dallas. Uh, J.K. Dobbins was from LaGrange, Texas, which is more down between Austin and Houston. So it's not like they're four hours apart. It's Texas is big. I mean, I think most of the people right. listening to this know Texas is big. But still, you know, it worked one time. Steven, what's what's – I. <laughs> What's what's the question I'm asking? I can't remember the question I'm asking. <laughs> Who's the big recruiting? I just threw the ball out of bounds. I hit the coach in the face on the bench. I just passed that one right into the crowd. That's a turnover. We're all, we're all looking at the coach like, why is he still I, on the court? I'm touching my chest. That's mine. That's me. That's on me. That's on me. Coach, don't take me out. I've got it. That's on me. Steven, we got to play defense for a possession while I try to remember my question. But save me on this. Could you maybe get a steal 
and just come down and like drill a three in transition. Yeah, I, I, I got you. Here. I got you. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I, I said Caleb Burton would be the answer to two questions here. And this, this is the second answer. And here's why. Like Cameron's already talked about with, with the Texas, what they're doing in Texas right now. They've offered 18 kids out of Texas. That includes Burton, who's the number one wide receiver in the country, but that also includes Quinn Ewers, who's the number one player in the country and the number one quarterback in the country. And as 247 Sports has written, might be the, the best junior quarterback prospect since Trevor Lawrence. And we know what Trevor Lawrence is by this point. Well, Quinn Ewers is already crystal ball to choose Oklahoma. And in Caleb Burton, obviously they, those two have a relationship. And so great wide receivers follow great quarterbacks. He might follow Quinn Ewers to Oklahoma, which is why Oklahoma would be the recruiting battle there. But also Oklahoma's selling point could be Ohio State has pulled in – they might have seven top 100 receivers in two recruiting classes, depending on what Emeka decides to do in 2021, also the number one wide receiver in the country. So I, we've had the discussion before about whether or not it's still possible that Emeka comes to Ohio State. Obviously, some people have him trending towards Oklahoma as well, but – it's a little easier to pull in him and he can be the seventh guy than it is to have another guy come in who will be the eighth top 100 receiver in three recruiting classes. And at that point, he's not going to have the same trajectory that Garrett Wilson had as a freshman where he's probably in the rotation and in a year or two, he's a starting guy and one of the main weapons on offense. He probably won't have that same role until halfway through his sophomore year. And so his trajectory might be a little off while at Oklahoma, not only could he maybe start from day one because he's going to be a five-star guy, but also he'll be coming in with a five-star quarterback that he'll get to play with for three years. It's fascinating, Stephen, to think about the idea of the Ryan Day offense and the Lincoln Riley offense going head-to-head mm-hmm. recruiting quarterbacks and receivers. I, I just, I love, I love that idea. And if you're a guy like Quinn Ewers, I mean, first of all, you know, I know that's not who you were talking about specifically, but just all these guys, there's a lot that goes into it of who do you like? Who do you have the connection with? Is it, is it Lincoln Riley? Is it Ryan day? Uh, But then what does it look like ahead of you? If they're both getting good guys who has maybe good guy, a few more good guys right ahead of you. Do you think, you know, Ryan day is still kind of like moving into this, right? That the 2021 class is really Ryan day revving up. And, and getting that role. And we obviously saw what, what Brian Hartline and Ryan Day did with the receivers in 2020, of course. Um, and we also saw what they did at quarterback with Jack Miller and CJ Stratton. Okay, they did it in 2020. They're doing it again in 2021. Ryan Day is into it now. He's, he's in the flow. Do you think this could be a continuing thing with the best receivers and quarterbacks in the country that Ohio State and Oklahoma are just going to be in play and maybe going head-to-head for a lot of these guys? I think in the day era, yes. In 2022, no, just because of what you had to do in 2020 to get the room back right and going out and getting two top 100 quarterbacks and following it up with a five-star kid. But also Brian Hartline just getting off to such a hot, hot start because the offense changed and so everybody was excited. So once, But, yes, once things calm down, I do think they're going to be in a situation where every recruiting class, you should be expecting Ohio State to bring in a top a top 100 quarterback and two or three top 100 receivers, and you're just kind of figuring it out from there. But, yeah, this should be the idea. In an offense where you have a Ryan Day who wants to p- pass the ball and is great at developing quarterbacks, and then Brian Hartline who has NFL experience and is obviously pretty good at developing wide receivers. Chris Olave is probably example A as a three-star guy who might be a first-round draft pick. This should be the expectation that every year they're in the top fives of both of those, both of those categories. All right, my hands, my hands are on my knees. 
I'm, I'm motioning to the bench, like, hey, give me a little breather. So I'm going to get a quick breather here. I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to sit back, you know, let my, let my backup run a couple plays while you guys do this. How close do you think the 2022 class could be to the 2021 Ohio State class? It's looking like we've been having the discussion and we'll continue to have the discussion, as everybody else is. Could they be – could this be, like, the best, the highest-ranked recruiting class of all time anywhere? it is almost assuredly going to be the number one class in 2021, which again, Urban Meyer never did, but he had number two classes, never had a number one class at Ohio state. So that's going to be a big deal. Could Ohio state with just the, the type of guys they're going after who they might be in on. They only have three guys so far. They don't have any top 100 guys yet. Very few top 100 guys have committed, but when you guys look at the guys they're interested in, is there any way that Ohio State could be challenging to have the number one class in 2022? Steven, we'll start with you here. Yeah, and I've kind of wrote about why they can do it. I do think so because they're in a similar position that they were in and heading into the 2020 class and the 2021 class where the bulk of their class before them is done. So now they can start to look ahead a little bit and get a foundation there and get two or three guys into the class before, you know, the start of their junior year. So that way they can spend the entire junior year, you know, not only building relationships, but also using those players that you built the foundation with to help you along that journey. And in 2021, it was Ben Christman, Jack Sawyer, and Kyle McCord. In 2022, it's CJ Hicks, Jair Brown, Integra Tishabola. And same concept. And you see where it's gotten them in 2021, where we are having this conversation of could they make history? But at the very minimum, they're going to have the number one class in the country. And so now they're going to be able to do it again. We'll see what happens next spring or next summer if they have another bevy of commitments over a month and a half where the bulk of their class comes in and they're able to do it again. But right now they continue to get ahead of the curve and it allows them to continue to do that year in and year out. And that's how they're going to build top three classes that can compete for the number one class in the country. Cam, what, what do you think about this? Do you feel like that the guys that you were investigating, are they, are, is Ohio State in on a bunch of top 100 guys? What, what's your vibe on how you, how good you think this 22 class could end up being? Yeah, just, just looking at, you know, the guys that they've been recruiting, like Sean Murphy, uh, Damani Jackson, he's one of the top uh, cornerbacks in the country. Um, those are some of the guys that are some of the top rated players, you know, in this class. And if they can get, especially Damani Jackson, um, I, I, you know, that, that could be a real big selling point for them. Just be like, Oh, like this guy's going there. Uh, you know, that, that adds a level of prestige. Uh, you know, when you have Trayvon Henderson, he, he rises, you know, on the rankings. Uh, he one of the top rated players in 2021. Uh, I think if they can continue to snag, you know, top rated players, Ernest Green, the third, he's one of uh, another top recruit that they're looking at. So if they can, uh, continue to get like that kind of snowball that Steven's been talking about, um, you know, in the coming months, that kind of snowball effect where they have the bulk of their group sign, then I, I think it's possible. Uh, I still think it's a little too early to tell right now, especially with uh, COVID-19 uh, affecting a lot of different things, especially visits. But uh, I, I think that, you know, once those visits can come and, you know, again, that snowball effect, that we'll see, we'll probably see Ohio State be in a similar position uh, in a few months where they're having another top level class. So 
who was the who was the guy you just mentioned the cornerback from from California? Again, I'm on the bench now. I'm yelling at my backup to to ask Omani Jackson, yeah, from okay. uh, Mater Day. Number four overall player in the class of 2022, Mater D High School in California, powerhouse. Ohio State's been in there. They've made some connections in there, and this is one of those things where they have made some inroads in Southern California. And so you look and like you know, the, the, there's a lot of reasons to think that you know. A, a guy like that might end up at, at USC, right? There's some crystal balls for him to USC. But with what Ohio State has done in Southern California, it's not impossible to imagine that. And that's the thing for both of you guys. When you're trying to pull in the best recruiting class in the country, you can't be regional. You can't say, well, we hit Ohio and the South and that's it. You've got to be able to pull a guy or two from everywhere. And so I do think that's the thing that, Listen, man, it's hard to stack it. Bama can stack it because Bama's Bama. But other than that, a lot of times, again, as we talk about, sometimes a weakness one year leads to a strength of that position the next year. And when it's hard to stack strength on strength on strength on strength on strength. Saban can do it, but it's hard for anybody else to continue to do that. But, but when you see Ohio State in Texas, when you see Ohio State in California, when you see Ohio State dancing around in Florida, right? And it's not, it's not reliant on, well, is this single area of the country strong this year? It's, they can go wherever it's strong. They can go to, to the Pacific Northwest and fight for kids from Washington State. You know, they can go pull kids out of Michigan or Pennsylvania. That's what makes you believe that, yeah, then it's the kind of thing that, that you think, yeah, maybe they can continue this. And as crazy as it sounds – could they compete for the best class in 22 after probably pulling in the best class in 2021? That's why it's, it's even something you can talk about. All right, we're almost done. Question six, just give me another name. I mean, part of the, you, you know, you build a structure here. We're running an offense. We're running the triangle. We're trying to get touches for everybody. Steven, you don't want to run the triangle though, right? You want to be able to feed the hot hand, right? Yeah, I don't want, I don't want equal pay here. No. Yeah. No, if, if you're making shots, yeah. I want the ball. Yeah. So, but we're trying, I mean, we're trying to distribute a little bit, but the point of the structure is so we can run through some guys. So is there somebody that you guys want to talk about that, that hasn't fit into something yet? Who's another name? Maybe you've talked to him. Maybe it's just another guy that you think is a very interesting possibility. Cam, we'll start with you. Just give me another name to watch for whatever reason, for our Buckeye Talk listeners, somebody they should be paying attention to in this 2022 class. Yeah, Gavin Sawchuk, I talked with him a while back. He's a running back from uh, Valor Christian in Colorado. Um, you know, he is, I think, a very good prospect to watch. He has that level of explosion um, that Ohio State likes um, in the running backs. He has good speed. So I, I think that he's going to be someone to watch going forward. Uh, you know, he has a, a host of other offers, uh, just like a lot of these guys. But Gavin Sawchuk. Uh, I think that he'll be someone to watch just going forward. And it, it seemed like, you know, I haven't talked with him in a while, but when I did talk with him, he did seem to like Ohio State. Uh, so that's something to think about. And I just liked, again, I, I only know these guys are like these guys because of what I'm reading from you two. But, but when I read what you got about Sawchuck, Cam, he's from Valor Christian in the Denver suburbs. That is a powerhouse program. Ed McCaffrey used to be the coach there. He's not now. 
but it's the program that has produced all the McCaffreys. It's where Christian McCaffrey went to high school. It's where Dylan McCaffrey, who's fighting to be the Michigan quarterback this year, went to high school. And Ohio State has not been there. Ohio State has not really done much in Colorado. But Tony Alford went to Colorado State. Tony Alford has a lot of Colorado ties. Tony Alford was interested in the Colorado State head job. So this is, I just love this, just from a strategy standpoint, when it's, a, when it's a, an established high school powerhouse that Ohio State is now going into kind of maybe for the first time. So Sawchuck is the, uh, the number 41 overall player in the country in the 247 rankings. He's the number three overall running back. He's 5'11", 175. Cam, you talked about his explosiveness. Again, it's like, well, how would Ohio State get this guy? It's like, well, this is how. Because they, they are good at identifying new areas of maybe – and listen, Mel Tucker just left Colorado. Not that Colorado is necessarily keeping home, you know, top 50 local kids anyway. But Colorado's in transition. You're not fighting Mel Tucker there. You're fighting, fighting Carl Dorrell, who just took over. Michigan's had success there before. Tony Alford has Colorado, Colorado roots. I'm fascinated by the Gavin Sawchuk recruitment to see where that goes. So I love that answer from you, Cam. I'm glad you brought him up. Steven, who's your guy that we haven't talked about yet? You just want to talk about. Yeah. Ohio State's probably going to need another tackle in this class. And they haven't offered this kid yet, but it's probably coming soon as he continues to make his way up the rankings. Emil Wagner, another a Dayton, Ohio guy. Ohio State has managed to bring in the top two guys in, in its own backyard the last two recruiting classes after failing to do so in 2019 when they only brought in Zach Harrison and then Jawan Briggs and Zeke Correll with the Virginia Tech and Notre Dame, respectively. But they've started to lock down their home state. And it will start with a guy like this who's the number two guy in Ohio, the number 83 player in the country the number 10 offensive tackle in the country. In this recent update, he shot up those rankings, which means he probably, at that underclassman camp, he probably put on a show there in order to do that. But also they've probably been looking at some of his films. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to earn an offer sometime in the next few weeks here. And if he decides to join the class because of that, as like I said, Ohio State's starting to lock down. His they got the other three of the top four players are either crystal ball with gay powers, crystal ball to Ohio State. But then CJ Hicks and Jair Brown are both committed as well. Let's see if they can continue that trend of keeping Ohio's top players home by, you know, first offering Amir Wagner, but also locking him down and getting basically your two offensive tackles from your home state. That seems like a big one, right? Man, if we're talking about a potential tackle need, and here you have a top 100 player who's a tackle in the home state, again, you can never take it for granted, Stephen, but man, this would seem to be almost a must, a must get for them. Yeah, and there's all, obviously there's still Blake Miller, who's also from the class as well. But, you know, to get top 100, yeah, you're right. It, it should be a given that top 100 players in your own state stay home. But you still have to go out there and do it. And, again, if you guys want to – if you're not familiar with all these guys yet, again, they're just rising juniors. Uh, Emil Wagner, his first name is spelled A-A-M-I-L, if you're trying to look him up and learn more about him. Or you can just, you know, wait for the texts from Cleveland.com that are going to tell you more. All right, time to mark it down. And, again, to be clear – um, I'm not marking anything down. I got fouled on a drive where I drove, but I was planning to kick it. They said I was in the act of shooting. Um, so I went to the line. I made one of two. So I am zero for zero from the floor with one point, 17 assists and 12 turnovers today. That's my line. Listen, I'm keeping it going. Sometimes, sometimes when you make a pass, 
It's a bad pass. But I'm going to keep passing. But you guys, we've come back from down 63-21. We're now in the closing seconds. Congratulations. It's time to mark it down. I feel like despite my lack of offense, I've kind of led us with my leadership, my shouting, right? I mean, you know, my shouting, a little moxie, right? But you guys also both are over 30 points so far. You're lighting it up today. People listening to this know it. They know you're lighting it up, but I'm taking the credit. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to mark it down, and I'm not marking squat down, but you are. They have three verbal commits in. Who will be the next verbal commit? And if you are correct, Cam, the way we do it on Market Down Monday, you win a lovely prize. Wow. So just Congratulations and congratulations. Just talk to Dave Campbell, our sports editor, our boss, and just tell him that Doug said I get a prize and just make him huh. give you something. And we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. So, Cam, we'll start with you. Make a prediction. Who will be? Mark it down. Your first Market Down Monday, your first podcast appearance. Steven's in the corner clapping. Steven's like, Doug, what do you feed me the ball first? I'm here. And I'm passing to Cam first. Cam, take your shot. Mark it down. The next verbal commit. I'm going to say that uh, Desan McCullough will um, be the next verbal commit for the 2022 class just because he's one of the few that has come out with a top 10. Um, you know, he has a he's seen he has a good sense of who he likes, um, you know, why he likes them. And, you know, I don't I don't think that it will be soon, but I think that he'll yeah, have the next commitment uh, in the class just because he has a good sense of, you know, the schools that he prefers. And I know that he likes Ohio State as well. And and we talked about C.J. Hicks being sort of Captain Buckeye in this class. C.J. is really on Desan, right? Because they're tight. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, they're um all he's good friends. Yeah, with Desan and Sean as well. And yeah, I think Desan will be yeah the next guy. And and it's one of these things. He's from his high school is in Kansas. Yeah. Because, and yeah. so it's like, oh, they're going after a Kansas kid. Ohio State doesn't recruit Kansas kids. He's not really a Kansas kid. He has all these Ohio roots. And so he's almost a home state guy for the Buckeyes. It's not like he's going to Kansas State or Kansas. Right. You know, so it's like, oh, well, why would this is this is basically an Ohio kid who just doesn't live in Ohio right now. So I'm excited about him. And this is why people should subscribe to the text. I'm excited about Desan McCullough only because what I've read from what Cam has reported on him. And I like I almost feel like I know this kid a little bit. So I like that answer. I want Desan McCullough in this class. And I, I want I, I'm intrigued to watch Al Washington build out this linebacker group. And to me, if they can guys, both of you, if they wind up with Hicks, McCullough, and Murphy as like the big threesome at linebacker in this class. We've seen it happen before and it never works out how you, how it's going to work out. I've written about it before when they've had linebacker threesomes and, Oh, these guys are going to be awesome. And then like one gets hurt, one falls short and one's good. You very seldom go three for three, but if they would get those three guys, that's like instantaneous. And again, we've seen it. We're waiting for Kayvon Pope, Dallas Gantt, and Taraji Mitchell to get their shot to do that. They were a threesome that came in in the same class. But I like that idea of Hicks, Murphy, McCullough. That would work for me at linebacker, right? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I know when I was talking with Desan just about, he was saying like, hey, Ohio State hasn't had, you know, tall outside linebackers in a while because Desan is is a 6'5". So he's played, yeah. you know, basketball before. 
uh, you know, big Hooper, uh, but he, he stopped, you know, to focus on football. But uh, he was like talking about how Darren Lee has some similarities, uh, former Ohio State linebacker with that. So I, I think that, you know, they have good potential if they all end up together. And it's one of these things that we like to do as sports writers. We assign, we, we call one player rare and unique, and there's nobody like him. And then we start saying, who's the next of that? This guy was, was rare. There's nobody like this guy. Now let's compare everybody to him. But aren't, haven't people mentioned Isaiah Simmons when they talk about the San McCullough? The yeah. The standout I mean, linebacker. Yeah, he's talked about that as well. Uh, just with like in terms of Clemson uh, being an option for him. And, and, but like long, lean, length, speed, physical, and and the, Isaiah Simmons like didn't have a position because ki- he was kind of like a linebacker slash safety slash defensive end, which doesn't exist. But if Desan McCullough is the kind of guy that you get him on campus, you get him in your program, and then you figure out how to use him somewhere on the eleven, that is intriguing. Um, Especially at that size, you. Know. Oh. Isaiah Simmons was 6'4", 238. I mean, Desan McCullough is 6'5", 220. You know, I mean, if he gets any taller, you might put his hand in the dirt. But if he stays at that size, then, yeah, the Isaiah Simmons thing probably ramps up. Steven, mark it down. Who's the next guy? I'm going to mark it down in a way that you and Nathan have sometimes marked it down by not being specific but marking it down anyway. <laughs> That's allowed. I think, That's allowed. Yeah, I think the next commitment is going to be a tight end, whether it's Bennett Christman – I'm Bennett Christian or Benji Gosnell. I think that's their next commitment, mainly because I think at some point they're going to come to a conclusion that they're probably not going to find that second tight end in their 2021 class. And so they're going to have to immediately jump on one in 2022 to get the ball rolling because eventually you're going to have to overload at that position in recruiting class because you're losing guys in that room. You could, you could lose up to three after this season, depending on what Jeremy Rucker decides to do. And with Benji guys now, I know they've, they've taught, he could be the guy who ends up replacing Jeremy Rucker on this, on this roster. But the, the point is, that's another place where the room's going to get thin very quickly with a lot of upperclassmen and only two guys in the room who are underclassmen right now, and Joe Royer and Kate Stover, who just moved to the position four months ago and then the world shut down. So he didn't get a lot of reps at the position. And Joe Royer just got on campus. So, I'm going to go – I'm not going to put a name to it, but I just think their next commitment might be a tight end. Okay, so, again, Benji Gosnell is from North Carolina, yep. 6'3", 223. And who's the other guy? Bennett Christian from Ackworth, Georgia. He's the number 18 tight end in the class. And that would make sense, that idea of you could still go out and try to get, you know, one of the five best tight ends in the country. Mm-hmm. But you lock in a kid who's more like overall going to be a top 200, top 300 player. He's excited for the offer. You get him in. It, it's reassuring at a position where you need numbers. And then you can go on the search. I think that makes a lot of sense sometimes, Stephen, right? When you have a position like tight end where sometimes you take one, sometimes you take two. In the moments where you feel like you need two – you can go ahead and take the sure thing now. The guy that, all right, listen, we're not at, we're not necessarily projecting this guy to be an All-American, but we think he's going to be a good, solid player for us, and he's ready to commit. Let's lock him down, and then we can chase on the other one. And if they are, maybe if they're not going to get the two tight ends for this class in 21, then to do it that way for 22, that would make sense to lock down that first guy now. Mm-hmm. And maybe you race him, right? Could they tell Gosnell and, and, and Christian, like, listen, guys, we like you both. We'd kind of like a tight end. Whoever wants the spot, come get it. 
And they're both from the South. They're both not necessarily hometown guys. But again, they're not five stars. I think, you know, maybe, maybe one of them would decide to come do that. All right, you marked it down. Uh, buzzer beater. So what happened was Cam made a three in the corner with 6.3 seconds left. But then the opposing team came down. Curry nailed a three right in my face. I played off him too much. Uh, with 2.1 seconds left, we gave up the lead again. And then baseball passed down the field. Steven catch and shoot swish as the buzzer goes off. So you both made buzzer beaters on this market down Monday. And again, I threw the baseball pass. So that was my 20th assist. Amazing. Wow. 20 assists, 17. Se- I mean, I mean, I don't like to talk about turnovers because uh. just like if there's risk involved in every sport, guys, right? But do you want to be great? <laughs> Why well, talk you, about the negative when you can talk about the positive? Do you want to make a what great assist like or not? I, I mean, Cam, we like to keep it upbeat on this podcast. We don't like to dwell on the negative. So headline, Lema Reese's 20 assists leads Buckeye Talk to victory. Smaller subhead, fields, comma, means each score 40. Is that, is that all right? But the wow. twenty assists—that's, I mean, that's big stuff. You got to lead with that. Cam, did you did you find uh did you find me uh weird or scary at all in this podcast? Scary. No, I mean, you know, I've gotten a sense for how you are. You know, just covering baseball. Uh, last year, minor league baseball with the uh rubber ducks. Oh yeah. So um, you know, it wasn't too too surprising to me. <laughs> oh yeah. It was like everybody was in a group. It was Corey Kluber was having a, uh, a rehab start in double a, and then everybody sort of talked to him. And then I sort of said, I have to go over here and have a fight with Corey Kluber. I'll be right back wow. because he's mad at me. And then I had to go over and talk to Corey Kluber and explain why, if he thinks I'm a jerk, he's welcome to tell me that to my face. Um, but then it was pleasant. And then he got traded. So that was fun. That was really good. I thought you guys were excellent in bringing the knowledge on the 2022 recruiting class. Listen, there's a long way to go on this, but we're already we're we're diving in on 2022 already. So just imagine as this class really gets rolling. Of course, we're going to finish up what happens with 2021, and there's a couple big things left with 2021. But we're really diving in on 2022, and like a year from now, when 2022 is really coming together, and you know the next six months. We're really going to be all over that. So come join us. Listen to Buckeye Talk. Read our recruiting roundups at cleveland.com slash OSU. Try the text to have this recruiting stuff sprinkled in with everything else we text to our to our loyal, loyal text subscribers. Um, Cam, you were great. Thanks for joining us, man. We'll definitely have you back. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. It was really fun. And, Steven, way to bring the juice, man. You know, I try. I try. Coach put me in a position to, you know, make plays today, and I just wanted to, you know, do my best. And I feel like this is one of those things where I am going to like triumphantly walk off the court waving to the crowd and I might be released in the next 12 hours. <laughs> yeah. And it's like the the team decides like, you know what? That was kind of the last straw. <laughs> I can't do it yeah. anymore. <laughs> he, he doesn't think 20 turnovers is a big deal, but we think 20 turnovers is a big deal. <laughs> and you know what? I'm not sure that our point guard should be 46 if we're actually trying to win a title. I'm not sure this is the way to a championship. So this might be it for me. Um, but for you guys, thanks so much for listening. On behalf of Stephen Means and Cameron Fields, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>